Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right, well, as Pastor Matt mentioned, if you will, uh, open up your Bibles to Romans 12, or you can uh, click over there on your device while you're going there. I do want to welcome everybody here to Lighthouse Community today. I want to welcome our online campus. I want to welcome everybody at Bluffton Community. So glad you guys are with us today uh, down from the south. I imagine it's so nice and warm down there. Uh, And then I want to welcome all of you uh, here this morning uh, in the house. Uh, Glad every one of you are here today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Fritz. I serve here as one of the pastors uh, at Lighthouse Community. And what you may or may not know is that my wife, Christina, and I, we have uh, four Four kids. Uh, we have three boys and one little girl, and our daughter's name is Karis. And uh, this is actually a picture of Karis. Uh, yes, she is adorable and uh, wonderful. And so uh, her name, Karis, um, is actually a Greek word that comes out of the Bible that literally means grace uh, or gift. Uh, that's literally what Karis means. And so uh, Karis uh, is, you know, she's, she's our gift. She's our gift from God that he's given to us. And I remember when Christina and I found out that Karis was going to be born, um, that we were going to have a little girl. Um, I was so excited and I was so afraid because, uh, I, you know, we had three boys and, and I know how to raise boys, right? You just feed and water them a few times a day, let them out, and, uh, you know, like nature just kind of takes care of its course. But I had no clue how to raise daughters at all. And, and she has grown over these last six years. And I'm just reminded every single day, I still have no clue how to raise daughters, right? I just whatsoever. Um, but I love her passionately. Um, she, uh, she is my gift. Uh, she, is, she is our gift, our grace that God has given to us. And when I think about gifts, you know, gifts are really you at some point in your life. Maybe you can think of a, a really meaningful gift that has been given to you at some point in your life. Um, you know, maybe it's uh, this gift that, that somebody who was close to you uh, and, and they gave something that was very meaningful. And, and every time you look at that gift or you think about that gift, you think about that person, you think about that moment, um, what that meant, uh, all of the weight and the meaning behind that, right? Um, you remember the person. And so, you know, receiving gifts, are, it's a lot of fun. But also giving gifts, right? That's a lot of fun too. Uh, you're thinking about you know, how somebody's going to enjoy it. You're taking the time to find the perfect gift and pick it out and the excitement to think about, oh man, what's going to go through their mind when they, when they open it up and they see it? Uh, do me a favor. Who in here gets really, really excited when you give someone else a gift? Raise your hand. You're like, I just get so, yeah, right? Like you're so excited. You know what I mean? You're like, you give somebody a gift and like when you hand it to them, you're just like, <laughs> you're just ready to burst, right? And you're, and you're, you're going like, you know, hey, I got you a gift, I got you a gift. Guess what it is? And before they even reply, you go, it's a Blackstone. I got you a Blackstone. It's Blackstone. Come on, it's awesome. Open up, it's a Blackstone. Come on, let's go like, make eight dozen eggs right now, right? Like you, you're just, uh, you're so excited to give a gift. But, you know, giving gifts, receiving gifts, all, all a lot of fun. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about gifts. We're going to talk about gifts from the Holy Spirit. And so I'd like you to do this. Look at the person next to you, uh, if you're sitting across from whatever, and just say gifts. Gifts, yeah, all right. Gifts, that's what we're talking about. If you're online, type the word gifts uh, into the chat or say it to the person next to you on your couch. Um, 
But, uh, you know, the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit gives gifts, but, but not necessarily the same way that you and I understand gifts. See, when, when we receive gifts, we're used to receiving gifts that really, it's up to us when, it's up to us how, uh, you know, basically what we're going to do with that gift. It's really, we get to decide what we're going to do with that gift. We get to decide whether we're going to use it, uh, whether we're going to kind of, you know, just put it in a closet and forget about it, whether we, whether we, we even lose it, right, in the process. We, we decide, um, you know, if we're going to return it, right? Some of us decide, oh, yeah, thank you. I'm taking this back immediately, uh, you know, or, or, you know, actually you go a whole another route. You, you re-gift, the gift, right? How many regifters we have in here? You know who you are, all right? Um, but, uh, you know, gifts for most of us, it's a choice. It's a choice of how, when, what, where, why we're going to use that gift if we're, if we're going to do it uh, at all. But that's not how the Holy Spirit gives gifts, right? Uh, that's not how God gives these gifts to believers. When God gives gifts to disciples, he gives them for very specific purpose, very specific intentionality, and he expects that we'll use them. And so when, when the Holy Spirit gives us a gift, we, we can't re-gift them, right, to someone else. Uh, we, we cannot return them to the store for credit, right? That, that's not how these, gift works, uh, these gifts work. And so for many, I think there can actually be confusion around what we call spiritual gifts. And so believers will ask questions like, what is a spiritual gift? How, how do I even know if I have one, what, what are they for, right? How do I get one? And if I do have one, then how do I go about using that spiritual gift? And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look in Romans chapter 12 to discover some of the answers to the questions that a lot of us have about spiritual gifts. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version this morning, but you can follow along with whatever version that you have. I'm going to start right in verse 1, and it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members." And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so what Paul does here is Paul sets up this discussion about spiritual gifts with kind of this foundation of what it simply means to be a follower of Jesus. And so what Paul says is as a follower of Jesus, what we do is we actually present ourselves to God. We lay ourselves in front of God as a sacrifice, okay, as a gift. 
And in the process, we welcome the Holy Spirit to transform our lives, right? And so what Paul is saying, he's saying, you're in Christ now. And so your old way of living, where you rely on yourself, and it's all on you, and you've got to figure out all of the things, right? That doesn't work in Jesus' kingdom. That actually has to go away. And in these first two verses, what Paul does is he exposes the nature of spiritual transformation, right? That's what he's doing here. He's actually exposing the nature of spiritual transformation. And this is what he's saying. He's saying spiritual transformation is twofold. First, spiritual transformation is something that God does in us, right? It's something that God does in us. And at the same time, spiritual transformation is something that we respond to. It's both and. God does something in us, and we respond to the thing that God is doing. And, and so what Paul is saying, he's saying spiritual transformation, one, it's a gift from God. right? You see there in verse 2 where it says, be transformed. This is the, this passive, right? It's like, I'm not the one actually doing it. Actually, God is the one who's doing it to me. God is the one who's transforming me. Be transformed, right? So you've got the passive nature of spiritual transformation where it's this gift. And then at the same time, right there in verse one, right, the exact same time, spiritual transformation is something that we engage in, is something that we respond to because it says this, present yourselves, present your bodies, right? Actively, actively do, right? And so you've got this both, this both sides of spiritual transformation. It's this gift that God gives to us, and it's something that we engage in and we respond to. And so what happens is God speaks, we step. The Holy Spirit moves or leads, and we say yes. We're reading the Bible, and, and it confronts some value that we hold deeply in our own lives and pushes back against that. And so what our response is, is actually prayer. Confession, repentance, fasting, action, right? All of those things. That's what supernatural, spiritual transformation looks like. And Paul says this, actually, the more we engage in, in spiritual transformation, there's this really amazing outflow that takes place. You start to know and understand the will of God more and more and more, right? And I love the way he describes it. It's good. It's pleasing, Right? It's acceptable. It's like all of these great ideas. See, on, you have to catch this. Ongoing spiritual transformation is normal for every single follower of Jesus Christ. Ongoing spiritual transformation is normal in the life of a believer. And so Paul sets up this conversation with gifts starting there. But then he kind of goes to the second thing. Paul, the second thing Paul says setting up this kind of discussion about gifts is that the church is a family. Right? You see that here in verses three, four, and five. It says the, the church is a family. We've got this family, right? This group of people who are actively being transformed by the Holy Spirit, right? And this family is marked by a couple of key characteristics, right? If you look in the passage, it's it's marked by things like this: humility, right? It's it's marked by overwhelming unity, even in the midst of diversity, right? One body, many members. Right? You see that it's marked by living under Christ's leadership and authority because it's one body in Christ. He's the head, he's the leader. And then also you have this family that's actually taking ownership 
over the care and growth of one another, right? They're not like farming it out to other people. It's like the family cares for the family, the family serves the family, the family helps each other grow, right? All this kind of stuff. And so Paul says, you've got this family, right? The church is this family, and, and, and so maybe you're here this morning, you've, and maybe you've been in the church, right? You're like Maybe you were in that 4 to 14 window, and, and so you've been walking with Christ for a long time, and you're listening to stuff about the church being a family, and you're going, duh, right? Like, oh yeah, hey, thanks a lot, uh, newsflash here. But you have, to, you have to know that what Paul is writing here would not have been so obvious to the Roman Christians at this time. Let me, let me share with you why I say that. You see, Paul is writing to a group of disciples in Rome, which Rome is the epicenter of the Roman Empire of the time, right? Like the, the most influential, most powerful, uh, you know, culture of, of the day and the time, right? Um, and so everything as far as the epicenter of government and leadership and influence is coming out of Rome. And so you've got this massive city, and, and, and so you have all these people, different ideas, all this kind of stuff, and there's likely tension that's happening in the Roman church, right? Uh, one contemporary who was in Rome for a little bit actually wrote this about Rome, because we all go there. Well, I don't know if we all go there. <laughs> but uh, you know, I've not been. Maybe you all go there. Uh, but anyways, I think many people go there and like, oh my goodness, Rome, this is amazing. It's so beautiful. Look at the Colosseum. Look at the baby. Right? One person who was there while, right, during this time when Paul's writing actually says this. This is, this is their commentary. Rome is overcrowded, loud, and smelly. <laughs> that's what they wrote, right? And so when you've got a city that's overcrowded, that's loud and smelly, you can imagine that tensions are going to arise in that. And so you've got, you do have some of these tensions that are present in the church as well. And so that's just naturally there when you have all these different people together. Then on top of this, before Paul actually wrote this letter to Rome, there was this moment where all of the Jews had been kicked out of Rome. Okay, they had to leave. And, th- and then after a little bit, they're like, okay, maybe it was a bad idea, and then they let them return. Okay, but they all got kicked out, so they lost their businesses, they lost their homes, they lost their prominent places of leadership, right? Uh, those who were Christians had to leave their church, right? Because they got booted out of Rome. And then they're invited to come back. And so when they come back, now they're reintegrating into the culture, into the society, but things are not the same as they were when they left, right? So what was at first primarily a church that was made up mostly of Jewish people, they all got kicked out, right? So guess who comprised most of the church? Non-Jewish people, right? Or if you would refer to them as Gentiles. So now you have a different group of people who are the main part of the church. Um, they're not Jewish, so they don't follow you know, Jewish feasts and festivals and customs and things along those lines, right? That's already been settled in Acts chapter 15. Go read that later if you'd like to. Um, but that's going on. So now you have all these people coming back, right? You've got, you've got some believers who don't observe Jewish feasts and customs. You've got some who do. Some are Jews. Some aren't Jews. And when you bring all that together, you likely have tension, right? We got these challenges. And so what Paul is saying, he's saying part of a life that's transformed by the Holy Spirit, right, is this widely diverse group of people with different backgrounds. Setting all of that aside to care for one another, to love one another, and to share the gospel with clarity no matter where they are. This is what Paul is exposing here. 
right? They're all living under the leadership of, of Jesus. And, and even when there's kind of, especially when there's conflict, when there's tension, when there's strife, we love each other. Right, think about this. When Jesus was with his disciples, he says this, the whole world, everybody is going to know that you belong to me by the way you love one another. That's how everybody's going to know that you belong to me. It's actually how you love each other in the family. So Paul says this is a church family. This is a family who actually cares for one another. And so you've got these disciples who are being transformed by the Holy Spirit. They're a part of this family who cares for one another. And then what Paul says is he says one of the key ways that the Holy Spirit transforms the lives of disciples, the way that he unites this diverse church family into unity is actually through the giving of gifts. Now, you might know them better as spiritual gifts. You've probably, if you've been in the church for a little bit of time, you've probably heard that term before. By the way, uh, that term, spiritual gifts, is found nowhere in the scripture. Um, but that's not to say uh, that that's a wrong thing to call it. I actually think it's a helpful term to use, so we'll kind of use that as we move forward. But just wanted to let you know, it's always termed gifts. It's never referred to as spiritual gifts um, in the Bible. But I don't think that's a bad thing to use. But I want to do this. As we're talking about gifts, let's look at verse 6, just the first part of it. And I'd actually like to read this out loud together. So uh, starting with having gifts, are you ready? Go. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I would underline that last section. That may be one of the most critical things here. Let us use them, okay? But before we jump to that, you might be asking, what is a gift? What is a gift? Well, literally, the term, the word that Paul is using here in the Greek is the Greek word, uh, Charisma, all right. It's where we get our word charisma, but it's it's more of a ch, right? So you know, the ch. You wake up in the morning, the ch, the ch, Okay. Look at your neighbor. I want you to look at your neighbor and say charisma. Okay. Like, oh man, diseases are spreading. This is a hotbed right now. And somebody's going, uh, thank you. Charisma to you as well. Um, but uh, so so charisma, right? Which again literally means gift. Grace, favor, could you, I bet you could take a guess, guess what the root, the Greek root word for charisma is? Yeah, I heard it, it's charis, charis, actually uh, it's kind of funny, it's ironic, uh, charis came home from a walk last night, she's like, dad, is my, is my name really from the Bible? And I was like, yeah, she's like, well, how do you say it? So I was, I was like, right, charis, charis, and she's like, <laughs> I'd like a different name, please. Uh, <laughs> but but the, the root for uh, charisma is, is charis, right? So charisma, charis. And so literally, verse 6 reads closer this way. Having gifts that differ according to the gift given to us, let us use them. That, that, that would be a very literal translation of verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the gift given to us, let us use them. You know who gives these gifts? You know who gives out these gifts? Paul doesn't talk about it in Romans chapter 12, but he's very clear about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you look at verses 4 uh, through 7, it says this. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same 
Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. If you jump to verse 11, you see this. uh, You learn a little bit more about gifts. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. Right? Check this out. Who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I would love to talk more about that today. I don't have time because I promised our tech people I'd stay on time. All right, uh, so, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that one day. That's a very important verse to think about and what that means. But the Holy Spirit, he's the one, right? He's the one who gives these gifts to disciples. And, and they're gifts, right? Think about that. They're gifts. And so I just have this imagination that the Holy Spirit is like so excited to give you and I, right, disciples, believers, these gifts, right? I can only imagine that the Holy Spirit is like, I give you a gift. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can you guess what it is? It's generosity. It's generosity. I tell you, come on, let's go. Let's go contribute stuff, right? Like, let's go give. Um, and he's just so excited to give these gifts to us. And there's all kinds of gifts that are identified in the Bible. Uh, some people have actually identified as many as 27 gifts that you can find in the New Testament, right, that come from the Holy Spirit. And so uh, in Romans alone, just in in our passage we're talking about, Paul shares seven, right? Seven examples. Everything from teaching to serving, from hospitality, giving, faith, wisdom, more, right? There's all of these spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, and he loves, and he's excited to give them to us, right? Now, I would say this, is that gifts are different than skills that we have developed over time, okay? Okay? Those are two different things, okay? Uh, Skills are more abilities that we have honed over years of practice, trial and error, and we've developed them. And, And now listen to me. God can and does use skills in his kingdom. So know that. He does and 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 will use skills for his kingdom. But skills are different from gifts. And sometimes it's hard to distinguish. Uh, Here's the best way when I was thinking about how to maybe explain the differentiation. Um, If you've ever watched or read the uh, Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy, right? If you've read that story, or if you're familiar with it. The best way I can think to describe gifts from, from skills would be this way. Um, in, in the Lord of the Rings, you have this, uh, this group of people known as the Hobbits. And the hobbits uh, are these small uh, creatures, right? They often go unnoticed because they are so small. Uh, they move very, very quickly, They have remarkable um, eyesight and hearing. Um, They're good-natured, right? Even even under, like, really challenging seasons. And all of these things, right, all of these skills and these natural abilities that they have actually aid the hobbits in their journey, right? Uh, But when there's a moment... As they're on their journey, right, to go take the ring back to Mordor and, and, and destroy it and, you know, rid the earth, uh, Middle Earth of Sauron, all of that, there's a moment in the journey where they meet the elves. And if you know when they meet the elves, what ends up happening is all of these hobbits are then given these gifts, right? They're given things like cloaks that when they put them over top of themselves, it conceals them from their enemies. The hobbits are given these, uh, these daggers that actually kind of uh, glow when there's orcs uh, nearby, kind of letting them know that there's danger nearby. Uh, Frodo actually receives the light of Arendelle, right? And so these are all gifts that are given to the hobbits 
solely for the purpose of accomplishing their mission. Right? These gifts are, now they have their skills and their natural abilities, but the elves give them gifts that are specifically designed to help them in their mission to return to Mordor, destroy the ring, and rescue Middle-earth, right, from Sauron's tyranny, okay? That's the key to understanding spiritual gifts, okay? The Holy Spirit gives gifts to disciples so that we can use them to serve others in the mission of the gospel. You have to catch that. That that is so central to understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit gives disciples gifts so that we can serve others in the mission of the gospel. And and these gifts we use, right, they're they're not for our own benefit, but they're actually for the good of the gospel, they're for the good of others. And so if the Holy Spirit gifts you with leadership, it's for leading other disciples to care for one another. It's for leading other disciples to share the gospel. Um, If the Holy Spirit gifts you with serving, it's to serve other people. It's to serve others with the gospel. Right? See, all of these gifts are tied to the mission of making disciples and rescuing people from sin and from death. And so the Holy Spirit gives gifts to disciples so that we can use them to serve others in the mission of the gospel. And if you miss that, you, you miss the entire bedrock and foundation of why the Holy Spirit gives gifts to disciples. So you, you might be kind of asking the question going, well, how do I know if I have a spiritual gift? And, and how, do, how do I use it even if I know I have one? Well, very basically, here's, here it is. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people after they come to faith in Jesus Christ. So a person says yes to Jesus as their forgiver and leader. The Holy Spirit takes up residency right, in their lives. Right? He's transforming them. He's changing them. And he gives them at least one spiritual gift, right? That's what the scriptures point to. So what that means is this. If you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ as your forgiven leader yet, you don't have any spiritual gifts. Okay? You got to know that because he only gives them to people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Why not? Why don't I have a gift? Well, because the Holy Spirit is not in you. (laughs) And so if the Holy Spirit's not in you, then, then he's not giving you any gifts. But, but I will say this, even if you're not a believer, you do still experience spiritual gifts. Okay? You don't have any, but you do still experience them. Uh, well, how? We actually experience them through other disciples. That as other disciples are using their gifts in ministry to serve others, what ends up happening is even though you don't have gifts yourselves, you get a front row seat to God using and empowering disciples for his purpose. And here's the thing. Every time, if you're not a believer yet, every time you experience another believer using their gifts, you know what that is? That's actually an invitation from God inviting you to put your trust in Jesus Christ. That's what that is. Every time you experience uh, leadership through another believer, mercy through another believer, teaching through another believer, right? Any of the gifts that are talked about in Scripture, those are, anytime you experience those, those are actually invitations from God that you would say yes to trusting Jesus as your forgiver and leader. That's what those are. Now, if you're a new believer, 
if you've just recently come to faith, uh, Scripture, it says this, is you have at the very least one uh, gift from the Holy Spirit. Likelihood is you have more than that, uh, but you have at least one. So your job is actually this, is to discover. Discover what is the gift or gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to me. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment, okay? But if you're new, if you're new to the faith, a new believer, you have at least one. And so your job is to discover it. Now, to those who have been walking with Jesus, you're growing disciples, the Holy Spirit has given you gifts explicitly for the purpose of serving others, right, in the mission of the gospel. And so God actually wants you, wants to use your life to help other people. He wants to put Jesus on display through you, right, through the using of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to you. And so serving others using the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to you is actually a remarkable opportunity to help other people take steps of growth, to help other people say yes to Jesus in their own lives. But there's also a nature where when we say yes and we're, we're like trusting him and using these gifts, we take steps of growth too, right? It's remarkable, Stories of people who had never served before actually start engaging like, oh my goodness, God has opened up my door or opened up my life to understanding more about who he is just because I'm serving and I'm using my gifts, right? Can you imagine, just for a moment, can you imagine the gospel impact that could happen right here in Hancock County if every single disciple, right, throughout the county actually made the decision, I'm gonna lean into God and I'm gonna discover the spiritual gift that he's given to me and I'm gonna start using it. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine what could happen if you had all disciples all over discovering and using their gifts all throughout the county, right? Like lives would be transformed, right? Like people would start saying yes to Jesus. They would come to faith. You would have believers finding freedom from sin that is crushing them down in their lives. Unity would become this clear testimony to the whole world of all of these crazy, diverse people with different backgrounds, different views coming together under the leadership and the mission of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus would clearly be seen as forgiver and leader. Do you imagine that? I think that's possible. I think that could happen, and, and so one of the things that's kind of in the way is you have, you have actually too many disciples, too many believers all over the county who, who actually just aren't engaging in their spiritual gift. Part of it, they're just, they're not, they're not engaging. Part of it is they don't, they don't even know what it is. They, haven't take, they have not discovered what their spiritual gift is at all, right? And so how do we do that? Let's talk about that just briefly. Because for, for actually many of us in-house, online, or Bluffton community, actually our step today is let's discover, let's make the decision to discover and use our spiritual gifts, right? That's actually what the decision we might need to make today. And so how do I do that? How do I discover my spiritual gift? How do I discover the gift that the Spirit gives to me? And how do I use it? It's actually very simple, you just start serving. <laughs> you do. Yeah, you do. You just start serving. You just jump in and you start serving. And, and then what happens is the Holy Spirit ends up affirming to you that you have a gift or you don't have a gift. Right? That's, that's how it works. I know some of you guys are like, well, where's the assessment? How do I, you know, I ought to get online and take my little profile, you know? Uh, but I, I always have to ask, like, how do, you, how do you think the Apostle Peter discovered that he had the gift of teaching? He like jumped on spiritualgifts.com and uh, you know, was like, ah, you, you, you clearly have a gift of teaching. No, what did he do? He stood up and he spoke and the Holy Spirit empowered him. And like thousands of people came to faith. That may be a sign that Peter had the gift of teaching from the Holy Spirit. Right? How, do you, how do you think the Apostle James figured out that he had the gift of leadership from the Holy Spirit? Right? Well, read like Acts chapter 15. 
Right? There's this moment where a leadership opportunity pops up and James steps into it. And it was clear that the Holy Spirit was leading that moment. See, the Holy Spirit actually reveals the gifts he's given to us as we use them in real time, as we discover them, right? as we engage in ministry. And so as you serve and you discover the gifts you've been given, you actually see God begins providing effectiveness in your serving. You begin to sense a draw to it. Right? It's like, oh, wow. God seems to be using me here. Another thing that happens is other growing disciples will actually begin to affirm a gift in you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you definitely, I can see it. You've got the gift of compassion or you've got, you know, man, it seems like the Spirit has really given you the ability to, uh, to teach or to lead, you know, whatever, whatever the gift may be. And other people affirm you in that, okay? That's actually how you discover the gift that you have, that the Spirit's given to you, is you just start serving. You get engaged, right? You discover it as you're going, Really, not before. It's like as you're going, while you're going. Right? It's kind of trial and error a little bit, but it happens. Okay? So I have a couple questions I want to ask. They're a little bit challenging. I want to make a couple statements that are challenging because I think it's worth doing it. Here's the questions. How are you directly helping other people come to faith? How are you directly helping other people take steps of growth? to know Jesus more and more, whether they're believers or they're not believers? Those are hard questions. Questions I, like, I have to ask myself and work through that. Because there's a hard edge to this gifts thing. If you're a believer, if you're a disciple, okay, there's a hard edge to this. And you have to, and please hear my heart. This is, this is going to sound really challenging and offensive. And, and, you know, maybe it needs to be. I don't know. But I just, I hope you can hear my love within this. Showing up on Sunday morning and filling a seat is not a gift. Logging in online and watching and going no further is not a gift from the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's not. And I know that that rubs raw, right? It's like a band-aid ripped off there in that moment. But those are things that need to be said in this because when we see these gifts, they're not here to glorify us. They're not to make our lives easier. They're actually there in the mission to share the gospel with other people so that they can say yes to Jesus Christ as well. Because when the Holy Spirit is in you, he's actually going to draw you with a desire to discover your spiritual gift. He's actually going to draw you with a desire to serve other people to help them discover who Jesus is as well. And so what I want to say to you is say yes to him. Don't resist him. Don't fight him. Say yes to him. And so I want, I want to invite you to just ask the Holy Spirit to, to transform your thinking, to unite you into the family of God and reveal the gifts that he's given to you and be a part of the mission to rescue people from sin and death. And so here's the next step. I, wanna, I just want to invite everybody to take across all of our locations here in the house, Bluffton community, online community, um, all of that. I want to ask you to take this next step is to do this. Jump into ministry. Jump into ministry, right? Join a ministry team. Super, super easy, right? At Lighthouse Community, Allie kind of talked about it in our three questions earlier today, but we make it really, really easy for people to step into ministry. And I don't know some of you may have backgrounds at, at different organizations where it's like, well, you got to, you know, go there for 17 years, and then after we do a background check and, you know, make sure you have the right blood type and all that, then we can let you get in and be a part of serving. Um, actually, that's not how it is here at Lighthouse Community. Now, there's some ministries we do need to, you know, if you're working with minors, we don't just let anybody in there, you know. But uh, we have literally had first, First-time guests and second-time guests uh, greeting people at the front door. 
right? Literally, it's their first time here. I remember talking to a guy, he was just kind of hanging out and I said, hey, um, are, you, are you doing anything right now? And he's like, he's holding up this wall, you know? And I was like, uh, would, you, would, you, uh, would you help us this morning? He's like, what do you need? And I said, would you mind welcoming people at the front door? And he's like, yeah, I could do that. And so there he is, first time here, he was already serving, being a part of the church family, uh, right? Within that, we do it. So it's really, really easy to join into ministry. We have a saying here, right? Just try it once. Try it one time. And, and guess what happens? If you do try it one time and you enjoy it, what we do is we invite you to try it one more time. And then if it seems like God is using you again, then we'll say, hey, what do you think about maybe joining the team a little bit more officially? But it's always invitation-based, right? We're just asking, you know, what does God seem to be leading you to do? Here's the other side of it. If it didn't seem like it was your fit, do you know what happens? We ask you to pack your bags and leave. No, uh, no <laughs> we don't do that. Uh, if, <laughs> I just can't. Can we edit that out? Um, but uh, no, if, if, it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't seem like it was a right fit, you know what we do is we'll invite you to try a different ministry just once, right? Say, so here, try this out. We, we have these really, really easy on-ramps to engage into ministry, right? Because we know that's how you discover your gift, like you try when you go, ooh, that's not for me. You try and I'm like, eh, that's closer. And then you try and it's like, oh, I think this is a place that I could really see God using me, right? And so we have lots of really easy on-ramps to discover your spiritual gift and to use them in ministry. We also have really, really easy off-ramps out of ministry. Some of you need to hear that because your history is you got roped and weaseled into a ministry and you were never allowed to leave for the rest of your life. And so you wrote a letter to the last organization You said, I'm sorry, I died. I'm not gonna be able to make it anymore. <laughs> and you left, right? We have easy on-ramps, we have easy off-ramps. Very seriously, last semester, the winter semester of groups, we had uh, a couple of co-leaders go, man, life has just changed for us. We cannot lead a group in the winter semester. And, and they kind of like had this whole list of things. We're like, okay, that's fine. And they're like, but I, I, I didn't get to give you my 37 reasons of why I can't, and it's okay for me to not serve. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Take semester off. It's good. You just let us know when you're ready. Guess who was ready to lead us a, a group in the spring semester? Ah, they jumped right in because their circumstances changed. Again, easy on-ramps, easy off-ramps as well. And so Lighthouse Community is actually in a pretty unique position. Um, in our church family, we typically have over half uh, almost 60% of people here who call Lighthouse Community Home are engaged in ministry at the very least once a month. They're co-leading small groups. They're working with kids. They're greeting. They're tech. They're all kinds of different things that are going on, right? Easy on-ramps, easy off-ramps. And so discovering the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you is central to experiencing life transformation, to being a part of the unity of the body of Christ and seeing God use you in the mission of the gospel. And so what I want you to invite everybody to do uh, here in the house, online at Bluffton, grab your blue connection card, jump online. On the back, as I think it was uh, Josh had mentioned, there's a place on there, like uh, six of our key ministry teams are on there. And if you're just like, I'd like to try out this, um, we will help you do that. We've even got options because we know not everybody's ready to be gathering together just yet. And we have options where you can serve, right, without necessarily being tied in really close physically to people, right? So there's all kinds of ways to use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you. So I want to invite you to do that. Just check it out. Try it out this morning. Now, do you remember Romans 12, verse 6? We kind of gave a literal translation of that, right? A little translation was uh, having gifts, having charisma, charisma. Um, having all kinds of charisma that differ according to the charis, right, the gift given to us, let us use them. That was more of a little translation of Romans 12, 6. 
right? You've got all these different gifts because of the gift that we've been giving. Now let us use them. In Romans chapter 12, Paul uses the Greek word charisma to describe the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives according to the gift, okay? And what Paul does six chapters earlier in the same letter is he exposes what that charisma, that charis is. It's in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Some of you actually might have this passage memorized, but it's this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free charisma, gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the gift. That is the charisma, charis. You see, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out his disciples to go do ministry. And they go out, and all of these remarkable things are happening, right? Like they come back from their field trip, and they come to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, you're never going to believe it. Like God is using us to do all these remarkable things. Demons, even demons, are submitting when we tell them what to do. It's incredible, right? They're like, it's electric. Everything's going crazy in this moment in Luke chapter 10. Do you know what Jesus' response is to all this overwhelming excitement and the Holy Spirit using them in real time? you know what Jesus' response is to the disciples in this? He says, yeah, he says this, yes, yes, I have given you remarkable authority. And, and the Holy Spirit is going to fill you to do amazing things that you never thought you were ever able to do on your own. And then he says this, but don't rejoice because you get to do amazing ministry. Rejoice, because your name is written in the book of life. That is your source of joy. That is what we celebrate. That, that is the gift. That is the charisma, right? That's the gift. That's the central one. Jesus says, yes, I, like, gifts are so important. And, and we're going to, you know, the Trinity, we're going to use you in remarkable ways in the world and in the kingdom. But rejoice because you're known. Rejoice because you know. Listen, discovering gifts from the Holy Spirit is amazing and it's remarkable, but it pales in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ and being known by Jesus Christ, right? Your forgiver, your leader, your savior, your, your friend, your brother. Experiencing the love of Christ for yourself will always, always, and I say that with as much emphasis as I possibly can, experiencing the love of Christ will always lead you with a desire to help others experience the love of Christ as well. And that is why the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We ask this question each morning, and it's simply this, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen.
Jesus, we recognize you as the gift. That you are the gift that actually opens up the door to every other single charisma, charis, gift, blessing, opportunity. All comes from knowing you first. And so I would pray for any of my friends here online at Bluffton this morning that they have not come to the place yet where they have said yes. Holy Spirit, I pray you would give them a desire for the gift first, for you, for Jesus. And today may be the day that they say yes and experience what real supernatural transformation looks like. I pray for any of my friends who are believers, whether they're new to the faith, whether they're growing and have been for some time, that we would continually discover the gifts you have given to us and engage in them in helping others in discovering the gospel of Jesus. Because whether we're of faith or we're not, we need the gospel every day. It never goes away. It never gets old. It's never unnecessary. And so I do pray. I pray for every single person who has genuinely been born again, that whatever the barriers are in their way, that they would trust you to demolish those and would step in to discovering and using their gifts in ministry. Not out of guilt, not out of obligation, but out of joy. Rejoicing. I am known. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I've been made new because of what Christ has done for me. And, and, and that would be the source of serving. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you for all of the gifts you give to us. And we ask these things in the remarkable name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.